Welcome to Adepec on Air, podcast series recorded live here from the show on the Wood Stand. I am your host this afternoon. My name's Steph, and I'm the Marketing and Communications Manager for Operations EMEA at Wood. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Mike Mayer, who's the Business Development Director here in the Middle East, and Joe Harrison, Joint Venture Asset Manager for Middle East and Iraq at Shell. So welcome both. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. So today we are delving into the drive for energy independence across the Middle East, focusing on Iraq and how oil and gas is playing a pivotal role in the region's journey towards net zero. So countries across the Middle East have been exploring the diversification of their projects alongside their traditional fossil fuel based energy infrastructure, decarbonizing existing assets and looking at ways to lower their emissions. The Middle East generally and Iraq are well on their way through this process. What can you tell us about their progress to date? Joe, I'll come to you first. Thank you, Seth. Uh, well, Shell is present in many countries across Middle East and North Africa. I think uh, from a decarbonization point of view, there's, there's plenty of really interesting things happening. So in Oman, uh, you know, we come from a proud history of our joint venture with uh, Petroleum Development Oman. But on top of that, uh, Shell has also been stepping out as an operator with uh, recent gas developments. Uh, and in Qatar, you know, we've been uh, very pleased with progress with the uh, GTL complex that we have there and new uh, LNG expansion opportunities as well. Great. And then Iraq, uh, ready to talk to you as much as you'd like about that. But I guess we'll come, come back to that in more detail. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mike, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think in, in general, you know, I mean, the... The, the, the question around kind of energy security alongside decarbonization is something that um, you said the region's pretty far advanced on. And I think, you know, if you look at places like the UAE, you know, clearly transitioning away from a, a really uh, well-established uh, energy infrastructure um, is going to take quite a significant amount of time. And uh, if, if you were at the opening ceremony this morning, um, Dr. Sultan quite rightly said, we're going to ramp up our production to, to 5 million barrels, but it's going to be some of the cleanest barrels in the world. And they're already there. Mm-hmm. And I've been here in the region for 15 years, and I've seen uh, the UAE be well ahead of the curve in terms of switch to renewables. In fact, 100% of Adnok's uh, energy now for its, its uh, the electrification comes from renewable sources, either nuclear or some of the lowest cost solar in the world. So I think that the world quite often looks at places like the UAE um, and some of the other Middle East countries as being purely oil and gas regions. They're actually leading the energy transition as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, so. Absolutely. And I guess also touched on a couple of projects there within the, the Middle East generally, but is there anything specific we could talk about in Iraq and how the progress is developing there in decarbonization? Well, I think for me, I'm always happy to talk about the Basra Gas Company. So that's a, uh, a joint venture uh, that we're a, a 44% shareholder of Shell in Iraq. Uh, it came together in 2013, so just over 10 years ago. And uh, back then, only 300 million standard cubic feet per day of gas was being captured and almost well, more than two BCF per day of gas being flared in Iraq. So over the last 10 years, enormous progress has been made uh, together with partners. Uh, with lead shareholder being the government of Iraq and then a, uh, another shareholder, the Mitsubishi Corporation. But together, uh, we've brought uh, that venture to a place now avoiding 20 million tonnes per year of CO2 emissions by capturing gas that would otherwise be flared. Just an ex- extraordinary achievement. 
Absolutely. And actually touching on flaring there, because Iraq has developed a roadmap to reduce gas flaring with the aim of zero flaring by 2030. And I know that Mike Wood are doing a lot to support our clients in the region. Is there anything you want to touch on there? Yeah, I mean, really, look, I think the, uh, the Iraq's journey is a, is a fascinating one. You know, I think they're coming from a very different standpoint to the one I mentioned earlier, of like the likes of the UAE. You know, who are in very, you know, were really well in control of their energy infrastructure, oil and gas for many years. Iraq's been playing catch up. So I guess in the last decade, with the introduction of the the IOCs to help them, you know, the formation of Basra Gas is one. Mm-hmm. Um, I could talk to the work that we are doing with uh, uh, Wiru and uh, Beckel, which is the joint venture with uh, BP, uh, BOC, and uh, Petro China. Um, they, they've got a huge program to to reduce flares, and they've probably got the largest uh, infrastructure. Um, in Iraq, uh, and you know, it always fascinates me when I go there and you see the amount of black smoke that's produced from some of these flares. You know, so the, the point and the journey that Iraq are on is to reduce black smoke from flares until such time as they have enough infrastructure to be able to do something with the gas that they produce, which is where the you know the Basra Gas Company really comes in. So we're working across the whole spectrum of driving operational efficiency in assets, modernising assets reducing flaring on assets right through to capturing the gas and moving towards a point of gas self-sufficiency which is really you know where Iraq needs to go for you know economic and uh, and, and social development quite frankly right great so Adepec we're here at Adepec decarbonizing faster together is, is our main theme and Iraq is very focused on harnessing oil and gas but there's also investments in things like methane reduction for example so what is the industry doing in iraq to support the government meet its emission reduction aims and targets well i mean i think the basra gas company by itself is a sort of enormous contributor to that and it it, it's not just about stopping gas flaring Mm -hmm. uh because if if we go back 10 years uh iraq was importing lpg for the uh, domestic market requirements around heating and cooking it was importing um, motor gasoline for the, uh, for the local market. And the Basra Gas Company, as well as taking this gas and processing it and using that gas for power stations, also produces these liquid products and has managed to turn that around uh, and, and made Iraq again an, an exporter of both those products exactly as it should be. Yeah. So that, that's the sort of central mission. And then on top of that, yeah, there's just doing the, uh, the business itself in a more responsible way. And that's around reducing flaring from own operations, from reducing venting, from controlling methane emissions in other ways. That's all, all part of that, that solution. And is there anything you'd like to add, Mike, from a good perspective? I think, I th- I think the points that, that you know, George just made there and the point I made earlier, it's, you know, they're on a very different point in that journey. You know, we're working with some customers around the world to look at you know, managing the reduction of small methane leakage from existing plants through, through our iris edge technology. Right. But if you go to Iraq, we're, we're looking at doing something very basic there. It's about repairing aged infrastructure. It's about starting to you know, create a, a cleaner Iraq for people to live. So you know, re- re- reduction in flaring and preventing the company having to buy uh, LPG to import, you know, all of that starts to allow uh, Iraq to stand back on its own two feet and continue that journey of ramping up hydrocarbon production that the world needs. Um, so it's, you know, that there's, there's a kind of a, a full circle going on in Iraq is they're helping themselves mm-hmm. um, manage a whole load of really challenging things that quite frankly we're not faced with in places like 
the UAE or in some of the, the more westernised parts of the world. So you know, I, I think if you put all of that together, it's a package. Methane reduction is actually a, you know, one, one element of a, a fairly major thing that's going on in Iraq right now. So, Absolutely. And I guess another side that you kind of touched on and what you were saying there about energy security and Iraq, like others, want to become energy dependent. And to do that, they need to align things like policy, infrastructure, investment. But I guess one of the most important things is people and having the people on the ground with the right skills to ensure that we can do that correctly. So from your, I guess, experience and, and work from working in the country, do you think companies are doing enough to invest in its people and kind of developing that local workforce there? Yeah, I think no question Iraq is a, a major resource holder. And I think a lot of the people at this show would immediately think that's about oil under the ground, but it, that's not the whole story. Also an enormous human capital resource. So again, the Basra Gas Company as a, a sort of proud shareholder, uh, more than 4,000 Iraqi staff members in that joint venture. Uh, most of them secondees from our government shareholder, but also an increasing number of direct entry graduates. So the, uh, the company has been really pioneering, I think, partnership with the Basra University in finding a way to access the, the very best graduates coming out of that university and, and bringing them into a, uh, an environment where they can develop themselves very quickly indeed. So I was having a conversation this morning with our uh, corporate relations manager in the joint venture, and he was telling me about a, a young lady, Sarah, uh, who, who's um, working with him. And she said she had never considered uh, employment. She, she went to university and she had ambitions there, but she assumed that she would never have access to, uh, to jobs thereafter just because of the nature of high unemployment levels and a, a reliance on uh, predominant connections to moving through into employment. But she found a way into the Basra Gas Company. She's thriving there and uh, finding you know, a great combination of challenge and support every day. And, yeah. and she's one of, I, I think, 60 now uh, graduates who have come through that program with many more skill. Great. And we ourselves um, operating, uh, we've got our big office in Basra and there's lots of great initiatives that yeah, are going on. You, you've, you've been there and you've seen it. I mean, I'm, I'm immensely proud of what we've done in Iraq. I mean, we entered Iraq uh, back in 2013. And, you know, the, at, at the time, um, we, you know, we set off on a journey that we were definitely going to develop uh, an Iraqi workforce. It was the right thing to do. Uh, there, there was no pressure from any of the operators for us to meet certain targets like there is in some other parts of the Gulf. And I'm really proud now to say that we've got 340 Iraqis working for us in Iraq and probably another 30 or 40 working for us outside of Iraq. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got 45 graduates currently going through the graduate scheme from, from Basra University. Uh, we're working with uh, girls in schools to come into industry. We're setting up a design academy. Uh, we're looking to set up a trade training centre. So, you know, all of that's possible through that balance of the need for Iraq to continue to produce oil and gas whilst going on an economic journey mm -hmm. um, that, that creates jobs for Iraqis um, and it fixes the problems that they've got around energy security and uh, supporting the energy transition so mm -hmm. that, I was just about to say that because I think you can get a job within oil and gas and obviously the industry is thriving there but it's not just about that it's about being on that journey that decarbonisation journey as well and from speaking to people here that's people are excited about that they, they're coming into the industry they're getting great experience but it's not just oil and gas there's lots of other things going on and I guess is there's anything you want to touch on there about obviously oil and gas big part of the industry in Iraq but they're also looking at 
developing renewable energy in the country as well. And think. Uh, I mean, I, I could I could talk to that one, Joe. I mean, you know, I think what we're starting to see now, we're we're starting to see the and, not the or, mm-hmm. yeah. right, which is a great a, a great statement. It really resonates with me, and I think it was maybe. Uh, you know the the BP CEO and and also Dr Sultan that talked about and not or, and Iraq's a great example of that. You know it's fixing some, you know really significant problems with aged infrastructure, yep. but with some of the newer developments that also looking to integrate solar. So what you're starting to see now is is a kind of integrated investment. Total, for example, is part of their entry recent entry to Iraq, are going to be looking to develop a solar power uh, facility that can power all their uh, hydrocarbon assets. So you, you need to start to bring that together in order to meet energy security and uh, energy transition. And, and I know that there's other examples of solar being used in Iraq to power uh, to power uh, uh, oil and gas assets. Yeah. So to sort of take a slightly roundabout route to get there. I mean, first of all, we're we're shareholder in Abu Dhabi in in Adnoc Gas, and that's uh, that's that's been very helpful. What Adnoc has been able to do, Mike already mentioned in uh, supplying all of their electricity requirements, either from solar or from nuclear. So straight away, that takes out uh, almost 20% of the emissions from that joint venture for us, which is helpful. Then we're also sort of increasingly seeing opportunities to integrate renewables with the conventional production facilities. So we had a, uh, a wellhead platform in Malaysia that just started up in August, where all of the electricity on that platform comes from uh, either solar or wind, the, uh, the Timmy platform in Malaysia. So I think to a lot of people out there, that's a contradiction. They say, come on, what's your business? Are you uh, doing oil and gas or are you doing renewables? But it doesn't have to be uh, exclusive in that way. I think it it makes perfect sense that you can generate electricity, small amount for those needs and reduce scope on the platform with lower emissions as well. And then back to Iraq, I think there's no question that the Basra Gas Company can enable large-scale solar photovoltaic generation. So what we are encouraging uh, the venture to do is to sort of clear the path for other developers to come in and produce hundreds of megawatts of solar power, mm-hmm. where uh, BGC as an uh, anchor customer can take the, uh, the majority of it for the first phase. And then on the back of that, uh, the developer can take that further. Uh, I think that's excellent outcome for everybody. Absolutely. Okay. So to round off every podcast while we're here at the show, we're asking all of our participants the same question and to keep to the theme of decarbonizing faster together, we're already working as an industry to decarbonize. But what is the one thing you think we need to do better to get there faster? I'll come to you first, Joe. I will steal one of the words and I'll go with (laughs) uh, together. And uh, for me, the core of that problem is perception. So I think uh, a lot of people in the supply chain, um, a lot of people from the wider industry, they will see Iraq and they will immediately jump to a, uh, a perception they have of the environment in the country. And I think more and more, there's a growing gap between that perception and reality on the ground. So I think to really accelerate the progress of not only the Basra Gas Company, but the other operators around it and uh, other um, members of the supply chain, we need to get past that perception and just have more People come in and participate in the market, uh, increase competition, increase the volume of work, bring costs down and uh, achieve these sort of dramatic results faster. Great answer. Mike, that's a very, that. It's a very <laughs> difficult question because, you know, I, I don't think it's one thing. I think if it was one thing, we would have solved the problem by now. That's you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm really, I really like that terminology and not or. And I think what we actually need to do is all of it. 
Um, but if there's one thing, I think, to build on your point about perception, I think the, the energy infrastructure we've got in place right now is going to be with us for an awful long time. So I think decarbonizing that, doing everything we possibly can, whether that's driving efficiency, whether that's reducing flaring, whether that's uh, reducing methane emissions, you've got to be doing all of that stuff all at the same time in order for us to get anywhere close to meeting the uh, the decarbonisation uh, goals of uh, of net zero that's been set. So, so it's a package for me that, that you can't avoid. Yeah. Great. Now, it's clearly a lot going on um, in Iraq, a lot of opportunities. So thank you very much both for joining us today. It was great insights. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. That was, that's-